right, so just so the ultras out there um, and the idiots over in the peninsula aren't confused by this, I'll, I'll make it perfectly clear. When you want to talk about someone like me, a pan of my mom's homemade lasagna will slow me down and will, will stop me, and that's a perfectly acceptable thing to say. Uh, being a pundit and saying that bananas can slow Romelu Lukaku down is a con- – Continuation of the ignorance that's going on in Italy, and again, sadly, with this, with the FIGC sticking their thumbs up their asses about Cagliari, and with now monkey chants in Verona, we have to start this way again on Serie A sit-down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio told like it is, uh, and unfortunately, we have to lead with racism again. Uh, I'm Frank Crivello, your host, and back from his vacation, Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. You know, I thought going on vacation, I would have a nice uh, break and relax and everything like that. But then the freaking idiots at the Inter Ultra decided to make their stupid comments as well, uh, which didn't help anything at all. So, uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, other than that, I'm doing okay. How are you? You don't understand us. You don't understand us. What the hell is that shit? Yeah. R- we're, we're serious. Not we're not racist. Shut the hell up. I'm trying to. <laughs> You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm thank you for there's you, a reason why for sharing that with us. That was great. I'm glad he shared that with us because he's that was, obviously that was awesome. That. Yeah, and there's a reason why you don't try to put horse shit back in a horse. You're gonna get kicked, okay? <laughs> so, and 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 that's exactly what happened. And then we've got this pundit. On, you know, his name escapes me, and and for good reason. I really don't want to know his name anymore. And then now you've got Cazzo what happened. In who? His name's Katsu Idiota. <laughs> okay, that's that's good. That's probably that's probably his nickname now. Yeah. And then you got what's going on in Verona, the monkey chance toward Frank Kessie. I mean, you ba- F- here's the problem. FIGC by giving Cagliari a pass yet again is allowing this behavior to happen at other stadiums. And I'm surprised. I'm actually surprised, Richard, that it's only happened at Verona this week and that it didn't happen more often. Yeah, it's 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 just it's sickening to see that it's continuing to happen, and then also the FIGC are just cowards at this point. Uh, they they need to be all be fired and and just hire new people because they're fucking idiots over there. And, and I hate to curse like that, but it's it's so stupid. To in 2019, that we're we're talking about this shit. Yeah, it's 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 uh it and and then Verona trying to clarify the racism stance. I, I'm just reading this a little bit here. They're trying to distance themselves from the allegations and not make any reference to their contempt for racism, and that got criticized all over the place. Uh, it it just it's just it, you know this thing is getting legs, and all it's doing, and by the FIGC not taking a stand, by Legacia not taking a stand, and taking not by not taking the correct stand, um, they continue to encourage this kind of behavior and the thing that scares me is we're just going to see more of it a hundred percent and even like players like ed and jekyll even came out this week i think and he said a couple weeks ago he said that you know people thought that you know the 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 stuff that's happened to marcus rashford and other guys in the premier league is bad he's like no syria actually has a a racism problem with the fan base and it's you know something has to happen with the federation not at the club level so and i agree with ed and jekyll a hundred percent yeah, and um, let's uh, come on. Let's finally do something about this before it gets out of hand. Because I'm sick of leading with this for the second straight time in a podcast. We have to lead with this, and we've had to lead with this a lot more often than we'd care to. Yeah. So, um, 
something's got to be done, uh, you know, and, and something's got to be done urgently. Uh, you know, it's, it's putting a stain on a growing league. It's putting a stain on a, a league that is seeing a lot of success. It's become very attractive. What's going on on the pitch has been very attractive to watch so far through the first three match days. Um, but w- w- some of this stuff has got to get cleaned up here. You know, plain and simple, and uh, and FIGC has got to stop being lazy about this. There's there's just no other there's just no other way. They have to act now. Well said, well said. So that said, there was football this weekend, Calcio, as we like to call it here. Um, and uh, what we're going to line up for you here on this edition of Serie A Sit Down, we're going to go through match week three. Um, uh, very intriguing uh, batch of results. Um, you know, on the peninsula, we had a couple of high scoring matches. We had some very tight matches. We had Fiorentina and Juventus, uh, with no goals, which maybe let some of the neutrals down. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, something in it for everybody. We had men behaving badly. We had, uh, some goal of the week candidates. We had plenty of penalties. Um, interestingly enough, as I was kind of going through Richard, you know, just on a whole, nothing really crazy with VAR uh, that I can think of. Yeah, I guess they were too busy giving our red cards that they totally forgot to use VAR. There's a couple goal line saves that they had to bring off the camera there, but other than that, yeah, not much of VAR getting involved, and you like to see that. You know, yeah, you definitely you definitely like to see that. And as we go through this, uh, they, there's going to be some players right now that are turning up and really turning out here yeah. uh, in the opening uh, weeks of the season. Stefano Sensi, we're looking at you. Yes, sir. Um, I am scared shitless of him this weekend um, as a Milan fan. Uh, but um, you know, but be that as it may, uh, I'll 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 try to uh, set aside my being scared of him and just enjoy watching him in a in in, in a derby setting. Uh, that will be fun. Uh, so. We'll uh, talk about that. We're going to break through, break down those games. Uh, we have the Champions League and the Europa League this week. We're going to break all that down, and we will preview Darby della Madonnina. Um, and then, uh, along with Darby della Madonnina, we'll tell you now. We'll also remind you: uh, go to at Seria Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Give us as give us up to five your top five goals in the history of the Milan Derby. Um, I have one and only one: 2008 Ronaldinho's goal. Uh, to beat Inter because I was there. Um, but uh, I'd like to hear what everybody uh, has to say on both ends of the spectrum. I think that there were some uh, very well-taken goals in the history of this derby and uh, certainly uh, excited to hear what everybody has to say. And we might even put a tweet out there, Richard. It might be a good idea to just uh, stir that up and ask some of our fans to uh, um, give us their take on that. So, uh, so, so have that in mind, and uh, take the Twitter, take the Instagram, and go to Ad City. I'll sit down with your thoughts there. But let's get started. Um, you know, we'll, we're just going to whip through these games and, and results. Uh, it all started on Saturday. The champions, Juventus, traveling to the Artemio Franchi to take on Fiorentina. This ended in a nil-nil draw. Um, Richard. Uh, interestingly enough, Fiorentina doesn't go with an out-and-out striker to start this game. Um, do you attribute that to um, – Do you, I mean, does Montella here just say we respect the champions, we're going to have to uh, do a little bit of defending uh, and then hopefully uh, you know, try to hit him on the break and we're going to do it maybe a little bit more dynamically with a couple of guys in Chiesa and Ribri, you know, who can run and who can expose the spaces? Because uh, in particular, I thought Chiesa was – they were both very, very lively without the presence of a target. 
Yeah, they both were. And I think a little bit of, you know, giving respect to the champions, but also, you know, dealing with the hands that you were dealt and uh, having having Ribéry a little bit of experience out there and Chiesa with a little bit of an X factor, um, they thought they could try to take advantage of him on the wings there. And also, you know, the, some of the wingbacks like Dalbert and, and, and Paul Larola, Larola excuse me, uh, they had some big games too because they came up on the wings with some nice passes from uh, with crosses in. So um, it ended up being a decent game plan by Montella, and it's uh, it's rare we say that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he came through. I mean, and this is a Fiorentina side that's starving for a win, but th- th- I'm sure given given the plight and given how far back you have to go to see the last time Fiorentina won a Serie A match, they will take nil-nil against Juve, even if it's at home and, and run with yeah. it. Oh. Um, I mean, you know, as far as the, the balance of this game, not a lot in terms of quality chances. Uh, Chesney had a little bit of an oopsie yeah. uh, in the first half that uh, that Chiesa nearly scored. There was a great chance from Delbert, uh, played by Re- played he, who, after he was played by Ribery, and then there was a stinger from Matuidi. That was about it. Um, you know, not a whole lot here to get excited about in terms of quality chances in this game, and it ended up being a stalemate. As for Juve's perspective, it's Maurizio Sarri's first match on the touchline. Um, you know, after spending the first two in the, you know, hospitalized or recovering from pneumonia, which, uh, uh, whichever it may be. Um, but, uh, when you take a look at, uh, them, you know, did they have maybe one eye on, uh, the, uh, Wanda Metropolitano at midweek? I would think so, just because it's a bit, it's a huge game. Um, yeah, it's a group stage game. It's early on, but, you know, it's a one of the best teams in the world. You got to admit that in Atletico, and uh, you want to have a good performance there. You want to you want to make a statement game. You know, Ronaldo is probably thriving. He loves playing those those Spanish clubs as well. So um, probably saving a little bit, saving a little bit for that game as well. Um, and they know they they just want to see out this game, not get too many injuries. Uh, we can probably talk about one, but um, yeah, I think they're, they're they had one eye definitely looking ahead to uh, to the Champions League. And this did come at a cost for Juve. Uh, all three substitutions were done out of injury, and it was something that Maurizio Sarri alluded to in his press conference. Um, you know, Danilo getting hurt, uh, suddenly putting them incredibly thin at right back because Decilio is still out. Douglas Costa's uh, Douglas Costa left the game injured, and then the uh, the really important one, Miralem Pjanic, um, and he might miss some time if I'm not mistaken. If I if I read that correctly. Yeah, and so Juve can't afford, I mean, they can afford, but they don't want to uh, be without Marilyn Pjanic for that long because he is that he is that Jorginho role uh, in, this, in the Maurizio Sarri system, and they need him to pull the strings and really dictate games and in favor of Juventus and try to get some goals from him. So um, that would be a big loss if they lost him for an extended period of time. I'm actually going to correct myself here. It was actually Douglas Costa who looks like they're going to miss a, miss for a couple of weeks. Uh, they're reporting a medium-grade thigh injury. This from Football Italia. Um, and then Pjanic uh, looks like he avoided a muscular injury, trained alone on Monday, so they should have him uh, for the Champions League tilt if he can recover in time. Um, and uh, Danilo sounds like it was more of a knock as well. So on the surface, it looks bad. I think Saudi's issues here was that, well, let's just face it. He plays a 4-3-3, and when he subs, he wants to just sub like for like in his 4-3-3, and he couldn't do that. So, so in that instance, um, you know, you know, his hand was forced a little bit here, and that might have had an impact on how Juve performed and whether or not they could try to take more than a point out of this game. But I, you know, eyes are clearly on the uh, Wanda Metropolitano as well. But uh, I, you know, 
the point far more safe to say here the point far more pressures for Fiorentina. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, they were they were they were starving for a win, like you said. But I mean, you're playing against Juventus. You're playing against eight-time reigning champions. Any result would be good in this one, and, and the draw was a good result. I thought Fiorentina did well, despite you know how how up and down they were for the first two games, first three games. Um, this one, they they had they had a lot more opportunities going forward. They were they were taking advantage of some of chances they had, like I said, Dalbert and and Lerola and some of the other guys, Chiesa. Uh, while they didn't get like you know very dangerous shots, they were they were taking shots. Uh, they were going up and up and wide, but um, they were they were present. It wasn't they weren't making it easy for Juventus at all, and and that's something you want to see uh, teams attacking the champions and trying to trying to take points away as much as they can. And, I mean, there's two points dropped for you for Juventus in this one early on in the season, so uh, big points uh, for Fiorentina in this one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's move on. Napoli, Sampdoria. Um, been an absolute rough start for Sampdoria under Eusebio Di Francesco. Uh, Napoli uh, winning here two goals to nil. A brace for Dries Mertens. Uh, some notable performances here. Uh, this uh, and I t- we talked with Ken about this a couple of weeks ago. This Eljif Elmas is the real deal. Turning out to be a player <laughs> at 19 years old. This kid has no idea that he's playing in Serie A. It's just crazy to watch him play. Uh, he he's fun to watch. I mean, he's got silky moves. Uh, he's so just so fun to watch. And then he sets people up for you know beautiful plays and beautiful goals. Uh, he seems to be the the man of the of the of the hour at least. And uh, we'll see what kind of player he turns into the rest of the season. We said we saw this with uh, Chenji's Under in the first year with with uh, Roma starting out hot. So let's see if he can keep, continue this throughout the season. But so far so good. Uh, looks like they got a gem uh, with Elmas. Yeah, I mean, complete domination from Napoli in this game. They outshot Sampdoria 26 to 10. They had, you know, two to one in terms of possession, six shots on target to just the two for Sampdoria. However, Sampdoria got an early chance to Rigoni uh, that uh, forced Alex Merritt to be alert. Big save. Uh, yeah, it was a very big save. So, you know, Napoli coming away with a 2 0 win here uh, in advance of the game against Liverpool, which we're going to preview here. But uh, um, great start for the Partenope. Uh, you know, they look, I mean, Sampdoria are having their own issues, so it's hard to say that they've really solved their defensive struggles uh, that they endured in the first couple weeks of the season. But uh, anytime you can get a clean sheet, uh, you're going to take it, especially when uh, Fabio Quadrella is, l- is lurking on the other side. Yeah, and they really limit him, limited him to any kind of uh, dangerous shots. He had like maybe one really dangerous shot that went just wide past Merritt, but other than that, he was fairly quiet, and you got to give credit to the defense there in Manolas and Koulibaly. Um, you know, we, we guys talked about in the last podcast how Koulibaly didn't want to go to Senegal uh, during the international break. He wanted to stay there, recover, uh, get back his energy, and, and, and get back match fitness. And so a part of the way to do that is to continue training, and he had a great play early on in the game uh, that led, I think that led to the, the Mertens goal where he ended up sealing the ball in the offensive end uh, with a tackle and kept, and kept the ball in the attacking zone. So um, it's good to see a shout-out. You'll take it no matter who it is. Yes, Sampdoria is struggling, but um, a shout-out to shout-out, really. So uh, get that momentum rolling for the defense there, and um, maybe maybe going forward they're going to take uh, take umbrage to this and then get better and better as the season goes on. And instant impact from a uh, new signing for Hernando Llorente uh, coming yeah. on within a minute and holding the ball up and then assisting Mertens to, uh, to get him that brace. So... Uh, that was another uh, noteworthy uh, moment here for Napoli. Um, Herving Lothano getting his first start 
uh, you know, quick on, you know, one more quick one here on Napoli before we talk just briefly about Sampdoria. Um, what you've uh, got to like what you've seen from him so far uh, in his first couple of appearances in Serie A. Yeah, he's an uh, instant impact. Uh, I love the stat that uh, that Ken talked about, how he scores always scores in his first game uh, for every team he seems to play on. Um, Lozano is, is, a, is a fantastic player. I watched a lot of him at PSV, and so, um, yeah, he's going to be – he's a grinding-out type player. He has lots of energy, and that's something that Napoli needs. He fits small perfectly. Uh, and so uh, I'm curious to see how they're going to get with all these attacking options up front, how they're going to uh, put him in the mix every week. Uh, but, you know, early signs are that this guy is uh, going to be fun to watch in Serie A. He's probably going to get a boatload of goals. Indeed. Uh, indeed. And Sampdoria, it just goes from bad to worse. Uh, I mean, I mean, it, it just I think in this case they can be forgiven, but they have just gotten blasted so far to open the season. No points out of three. Bottom of the table. Um, you know, how quick of a hook do you expect Ferrero to have? This is where it's going to get interesting. Does he still stand behind Di Francesco here? When you when you look at the, the lineup that they keep putting out, Rigoni gives them a little more dynamism in attack. It's at least a little bit better than trying to play Quagliarella, Caprari, and then um, uh, Gabbiadini up front. Um, you know, where that's what they did, I think, at the first game of the season, and they expected Caprari and Gabbiadini to play more like wingers. It just, no way was that going to work, and it no. didn't. Um, you know, here it was a little bit different. Um, Rigoni is a little bit more dynamic and can work a little bit more as a winger. But, you know, you look at them, you look at them defensively. Um, Audero had to save this team from losing about five or six nil here again. Uh, he actually was, he, he actually was solid. Ferrari was okay. But after that, um, there is the Sampdoria team looks terrible right now uh and I, I don't think they're a relegation team but i don't know if i don't know if they finish higher than 15th now yeah it doesn't look uh very good for them at the moment and i think the hook is not going to be very long with uh, di francesco you you want to give a, a manager some time to get acclimated to new teams and and try to implement the strategy but if they continue losing um ferrero is not a guy i would see seem to have much patience uh, you see how he has his scraggly hair and he looks with his wild eye he has every time. He's always very emotional on the on the in, in the stand. So um, if they lose, I mean, like even even as, even as little as five, you know, go, they go through the fifth game without a win. It may be the plug. I mean, you may be looking in October there be a new manager going there. So I don't know. Uh, I mean, I hate to say that because Di Francesco has uh, you want you you hope the guy um, based on his past he can pull this thing around and at least make them competitive somewhat, but. I don't know, man. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold my breath with uh, Ferrero. As uh, Rocco said a couple of weeks ago, uh, Di Francesco may not be having any uh, panettone at Christmas <laughs> as uh, Sampdoria manager. So, yeah. so uh, we'll just have to keep an eye out for that one. Um, moving on, Inter rounded up the Saturday game games, winning over Udinese by a goal to nil. It was uh, Stefano Sensi. Uh, with a header on a ball played in by Diego Godin uh, to win this one 1-0. Um, but that basically just scratches the surface with Stefano Sensi's performance here, Richard. Wow, man, what a classy player he's turning into with Inter, right? Um, where is like, where has this guy been? Because obviously he's been overseas and also with um, uh, Sassuolo. But he looks every bit of the player that, you know, 
people maybe he even hoped for. I mean, he's looking so good with Inter. He fits in perfectly with them, um, and he seems to be like the catch signing for them. It seems almost because the way he's performing with his team and this header for me is one of the goals of the weekend. Uh, just the way to get in it and then and with emphatically yep. score the goals. So um, he's just a good playmaker. He can score. He can he does everything. And it, what more could you ask for as an Interista? Absolutely. Um... I'll uh, give you a player comparison, and you tell me what you think. Um, David Silva. Oh, that's uh, yeah. He if he continues on this trajectory, he could be uh, a very similar level to David Silva. Uh, the way the the way he's in this uh, tactic formation with uh, Conte. Excellent technique. Okay, great passer of the ball. Great server of the ball in set-piece situations. And as a midfielder, not afraid to get into the penalty area and make runs, uh, as he did, uh, you know, to score the goal. Um, you know, check, check, check when you talk about David Silva doing that for Manchester City and everywhere he's been. Yeah. You know, I, I see, I see Sensi play. I'm reminded of David Silva. That's the, the, the first guy that comes to mind when I watch him play. The big difference is so. he'll have to do it like Silva for like a decade, you know. He's been the, the consummate world class, you know, playmaker. So if he can keep, you know, get to the get to that level and then hold it, um, he's at the right place right now. He's with the right squad and the right manager. Um, I'd like to see him do that, and it'll not only help it, you know, enter, but it'll also help the Azuri as well. So um, big things to come, hopefully, for Sensi this season. Yep, yep, indeed. So, uh, so we'll see what happens. I mean, but he wasn't the only star in this game. Sami Handanovic made five big saves, including one yeah. on Kevin Lasagna very early in the game. Um, Musso on the other end kept this from being a blowout. Um, you know, he was sensational. Uh, so the goalkeepers were outstanding on both sides. Um, we have, uh, a, an incident where Rodrigo DePaul was sent off early in the game, which hamstrung Udinese. He basically gangster slapped, uh, Antonio Candreva. I thought it was more of a pimp slap, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It's, um, it's, it's, isn't it the same thing? It's the yeah. same thing. It was a harsh, okay, so. harsh red. I see why they gave the red because you shouldn't be swinging your arm towards anyone's face. Yeah, but, you kind of got to. Yeah, you kind of got to give it. I kind of sat there and you know, I, I, I went to social media when I saw it and I was like, is this really what DePaul got sent off for? And I thought it was weak at the time, you know. But I also agree that you know, hey, this it's. <laughs> Kandreva I mean, egged him on. If you watch the replay from a from a far away, Kandreva's yelling him all the way down the pitch, and then finally gets in his face. And he, whatever he says, it's set the ball over the edge. And um, not to say that you know Kandreva is a victim here or whatever, but you know he should he should have got something as well. Maybe not a red as well, but maybe a yellow or, or a fine after the fact. But I don't know. Right, right. Um, Politano came out of this game. Um, and with a little bit of a knock, but just kind of looking through and trying to look for any follow-up articles to that, nothing uh, suggesting that he's going to be out for a long period of time. So I'm assuming he's in the mix to play Slavia Prague on Tuesday. Uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to see what Conte rolls out, uh, you know, as far as the lineup is concerned. But you know, Godin, I believe this was his first full appearance. Got an assist. Um, and gets an assist right off the bat. And you got Godin, Devray, Skriniar, Sami Handanovic. I said once these guys are glued together and can start playing regular games, this is the this is the best defense in Serie A by far. Although the other side of Milan's doing pretty good as well. We'll talk about them here in a little bit. Uh, but Inter get the one 0 win, and we'll round up my batch talking about what took place early on Sunday morning, Genoa and Atalanta. So essentially, I covered all of the Champions League teams here, Richard. Ah, oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, well, I don't. I didn't intend for that. I just said, well, let me do the first four, and then we just 
you know, because I didn't know which game to grab out of the multi-calcio, so I gave you, you know, and you'll talk about the other six. But anyway, um, we had uh, Genoa taking on uh, Atalanta. Um, Genoa getting off to a decent start. Atalanta obviously uh, having to play this game with getting ready for Champions League uh, as well. Um, uh, Atalanta win this game. Um over Genoa, it was 2-1. It is a Luis Muriel penalty, and no goals in the first half, which uh, astounds you when you see Atalanta play. You would think <laughs> there's like at least two from them, but uh, it, it, you know, the goals didn't come until the 64th minute. Luis Muriel on a penalty, uh, and then a pen, and this was after a VAR review, which I think they got that. I think they got that uh, call correct, Richard. I do too. Yeah, for sure. So, um, Crescito gets a penalty in the 91st minute to make it 1-1. We think we're heading into honors even, but at the death, it is Duban Zapata from Martin Deron uh, in the 95th minute to win this match 2-1 and send Atalanta to Zagreb uh, in a in winning fashion. Um, looking at this game and watching this, uh, Richard, I you know. Same story. Papu runs the show. Yeah, he and he was definitely inserting himself in this game, trying to trying to command the game um, and pull strings and stuff. And uh, he he's a every year he's so consistent. He's consistently good, and and you can see why so many people love this player. Um, he just knows how to pull the right strings. He he can set himself up for shots as well. And um, he's just all over the pitch. And he's got uh, he's definitely the core and the heart of this team. And where he goes, Atalanta goes, I think. And uh, luckily for him, he's got guys like Duvan Zapata and, and Moriel on his, uh, that he can pass to that can set him up with assists. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Papu Goma is a special player for Atalanta. And the Zapata goal, uh, a goal of the week candidate, by yeah, the way. Yeah, Brilliant goal to, to win the match. So um, let's talk Genoa just real quickly here because, I mean, not a terrible start for them. Um, you know, very exciting games that they've been involved in through three, played three, four points, six goals scored, uh, six goals against, uh, perils of having someone like Lord Zapata playing back there. <laughs> um, but you know, a team that, a team that's going to give people some trouble. I mean, you take a look at their, you, you take a look at how they reinforced, you look at, you know, Lasse Shona, you know, getting a run out here in the midfield was meh in this game, but you got Kwame. You know who's there on loan from from Napoli. Um, you know, paired with Pinamonte, that can be a very dangerous combination for teams going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the fact that uh, Genoa they they sit in the game for a while, and Kwame uh, Kwame uh, is just such a fun player to watch. You know, with him and 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 Pinamonte and some of the guys they got, they got a they got a reasonably decent squad that could probably uh, steal a lot of points from this this from teams this year, and they nearly did with uh, um, with against Atalanta. I mean. If you're Atalanta and you get, you know, you give up the penalty, you know, first minute of stoppage time, you're thinking, oh, this game's done. But you know, um, all credit goes to Genoa for continuing to fight on to the very end of the game and get that equalizer, or so they thought the equalizer, because uh, they because they never gave up, and uh, that's good to see. Yeah. Um, so there will be a thorn in some people's side here as the season goes on, and uh, you know, certainly we uh, we need to see it. So. Um, everybody's thoughts on how the uh, Champions League teams did in their uh, final game before their uh, Champions League debuts. Go to at Sadia, sit down on Twitter uh, or Instagram. Richard's got the rest of it for us. 
Yeah, so we'll start um, uh, at the Mario Rigamonte in Brescia. Uh, Brescia hosting Bologna in this one. Um, you know, when you're watching, when you get your, your choice of multicultural games and you see Brescia against Bologna, most people probably would turn this game off and, and choose one of the other games. Um, if you did, you probably uh, are kicking yourselves at the moment because this game turned out to be a doozy score-wise. Um, get, the goal, goal scoring started uh, in the 10th minute. Alfredo Donnarumma uh, gets a header. Um, everyone thought that, uh, that, that um, Skorupski made the save, uh, but it ended up not being. Uh, they ended up going to the goal line to see if it crossed the line. It did, in fact, that so the goal stood. Um, Alfredo Donnarumma with the goal gives uh, Brescia the early lead, one nothing. Um, why score once when twice is twice is even nicer? Uh, Donnarumma got his brace in the 19th minute uh, with an emphatic goal, a nice curler there, one of the goals of the week candidates there, uh, two nothing for Brescia at that moment. Um, Bologna, they would you know that they, fight back in this one on the 36th minute. Mattia Bani uh, would, would bring it back to make it 2-1, uh, but just before halftime, Andrea Cistana in the 42nd scores a goal to make it 3-1. Brescia, and at this point, Frank, you're thinking. Brescia's got this game won, right? Because it's 3-1 at halftime, and they're playing really well. Uh, is that what you were thinking uh, at the halftime score? Yeah, I mean, it, they took their chances. I mean, when you look at it, Bologna nearly 2-1 in the possession. They they bossed, you know, they bossed the ball here in this, and they, they created a lot of opportunities. Right. You know, the only goal came through Bonnie uh, on a set piece. Uh, so they were knocking on Brescia's door. So, I mean... While I thought, you know, Brescia certainly were having an advantage at 3-1 up, I, I, I didn't think it was safe. Um, you will talk about the red card here in a minute because that turned the game on its head. But uh, up until then, I thought that, you know, Bologna were playing, and I saw them play Spall a couple weeks ago, and I really I thought a lot of similarities, but this is what happens against, the t- against an opponent that's better at taking their chances against you, you know, in this case, and that's what Brescia did. Um, you know, I thought... You know, Bologna were dictating things in the first half. They had eight shots in the first half. They had three on target. They certainly had their chances to take the lead, um, or to uh, there. There were certainly opportunities for there to be more goals um, here in the first half of this game. Uh, you know, and it was the usual cast of characters: Sansoni, Orsolini, um, you know, Soriano. Uh, you know, all doing the uh, the creative string pulling here for Mihailovic's side. Uh, so. I, you know, and it's a two-goal lead, which I grew up being told two-goal lead is the most dangerous, yes, most sure. dangerous lead in the game of, in, in 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 calcio. So, yeah, and uh, you know, Brescia knew that they needed to have everybody. The only way they would lose this game is if if they were to go down a guy at least, because you know they were doing well enough to to withstand the the pressure that Bologna was putting on them. And you know, usually you don't mention a yellow card when it happens in the first half, like uh, Daniela Desena. Uh, but that gentleman, yeah, he picks up his second yellow on a stupid foul in the 48th minute, uh, putting his team down to 10 men. And, you know, sometimes when teams go down to 10 men, they, they tend to play a little bit better defensively. Uh, not Brescia in this case. Uh, <laughs> Bologna took advantage of it. Uh, goal by Rodrigo Palacio in the 56th minute uh, to make it 3-2. Uh, minutes later, uh, in the 60th minute, in fact, uh, it was an own goal by Stefano Sabelli to make it 3-3. Um, all of a sudden, Bologna is back in the mixer, and it's pretty much all of them at that point because they're they're taking advantage of of the possession and, and controlling the game. Um, they would see out the victory with uh, with a goal of the week candidate for me, Ricardo Arcelini, uh, with a fantastic finish uh, to make it four three Bologna. They get the win on the road. Um, 
great comeback by by Bologna. You love seeing that uh, Mihalovic team never gives up. And Orsolini, a uh, great finish. This player is uh, starting to become a rounding out to be a really good player. Absolutely. I mean, and like I said, the game this game was turned on its head um, when the red card happened because Bologna could take over and now they have the man advantage. It's much much harder for Brescia to deal with all of this and. You know, with the way Bologna play and with the way they attack, I'm really impressed with Bologna. Um, they're at yeah. minimum a top half, top half team this season, and uh, would not surprise me if they land in a Europa League place at the expense of somebody else. I really like how Mihailovic has this team playing. I like those three playmakers in the midfield. Uh, Gary Medell, we said this a couple weeks ago, that's just a total Mihailovic guy yeah. in the midfield. If all of those guys can stay healthy – there is a very, very high ceiling for this Bologna team. But that ceiling gets limited by their striker play. And really, the way those guys operate, especially Orsolini and Sansoni, all you need from the striker, you just need a poacher. And I like that Rodrigo Palacio got the start in this game because he's the best poacher yeah. when it, you're talking about him, Santander, and um, uh Who's the shitty one? Destro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I'm, I, I just, you know, I have bad memories of that guy. But anyway, so, I mean, because the guys, it, it, it almost reminds me when you think of, I mean, the, the the Portugal team that made the run in 2000 at the Euros, where they had, uh, they had João Pinto and they had Luis Figo and they had Rui Costa. And Nuno Gomez was joint top scorer in Euro 2000 because all he had to do was, you know, make his hair look nice and stay up front and and just knock in whatever those guys uh, create for him. So, you know, it's it's a very similar situation at Bologna, you know, and Palacio is the best poacher of those three options. Santander's the best at holding play up, but do you really need to do that when you've got attacking midfielders as dynamic as the three that we're talking about here. Exactly, and, that, and that's, a, that's a very good point. Um, I do like also that uh, Rodrigo Palacio started the game because he, I agree with you, he is their best poacher, and, and his goal was a poacher's goal. So, uh, you know, good for them. I, I, I hope Bologna continue this upward trend um, and get into where they should be, probably mid-table or even a little better than that. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this team uh, progresses throughout this season. Uh, but Brescia, where do we go with Brescia now? Well, how do we feel about them? Um, they blew a big lead. Yeah, they were down a guy. Do they take, take anything away from this game? I mean, their first half performance was actually pretty decent. So, you know, I I like this Brescia team. Um, I just I, they got uh, they got snake bit by this red card with the Sena. So you know, Donnarumma is going to score. He's going to get into the double digits with goals. Yeah. Uh, Sandro Tonali is just outstanding at what he does as far as pulling the strings and uh, and creating. Um, you've got um, uh, the, the 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 player who partnered Donnarumma wasn't bad either. Florian, I is it Ie? Uh, yeah. I think that's a good pronunciation. Yeah, I mean he certainly didn't make the impact that Donnarumma did in this game, but uh, he work he seems to work as a nice support striker off of Donnarumma. Um, you know, but most of the attention is going to be on the number nine. So. You know, where they're going to have their struggle is they're going to give up goals. I mean, the defense is just not – uh, they're not a group that inspires fear for me. You know, I think they're. I think you can pick them apart. I think you can easily get at them. You know, Chistana scored great, but, I mean, the combination of him and Chancellor, this isn't, this isn't Nesta and Maldini back there. 
and you know nobody can be Nesta and Maldini to let me be honest. <laughs> um, but uh, you know it's uh, I, I think as the season goes on, this team is going to have their struggles defensively, so they're going to have to they're going to have to win a lot of games by trying to outscore their opponents, winning games three two, winning winning some of these uh, you know goal fests, if you will. Yeah, I th- I think so, but uh, let's let's see how the how they how they perform when Balotelli joins the squad. Um, it should be interesting then. What kind of dynamics happens there? I mean, maybe Balotelli Donnarumma partnership could be really good. We'll, we'll see. Maybe it'll, maybe it just won't work at all. Who knows? Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. So moving on to the next game in, in the Multicultural is Ennio Tardini Stadium, Parma hosting Cagliari. Um, this game, uh, first half at least, was the Luca Cepatelli show. Uh, he scores a goal in the 23rd minute and then again in the 39th minute. 2 nothing for Cagliari at the half. Um, it looked like Cagliari was going to run away with this, but uh, Antonio Barella, uh, he decided to step in and get a goal, bring, cut the lead back to 1. So it's 2-1 at that point. And at that point, I'm thinking maybe Parma can get into this and maybe steal, steal a goal to draw it. But um, the new man for Cagliari, Giovanni Simeone, it's nice to see him finally get back on the score sheet. Scores in the 77th minute on a almost like a breakaway goal, a turnover at midfield that he, he capitalized on. Um, went down a three on one, and the defender ended up going with a with a with a, one of the players, other players, and he just took advantage of it and took a shot, scored a goal. Uh, Gallieri went three to one. Um, Luca Cipatelli, I mean, he, uh, he 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 is a interesting player. Sometimes he has good games like he does this, and other times he's just invisible in a game. But when he when he turns up, he seems to get these goals in, in bunches. He'll get braces um, out of nowhere. It seems he's a he's a fine set piece target. He is. Um, oh yeah. And and he can score. I think the second one's a goal of the week candidate simply because of the ball played in by Chicarini. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, and I thought Chicarini was outstanding in this game in particular. Um, you know, so we'll give him some credit as well. Who was in? You know, who was in goal for Cagliari? Yeah, for uh, for Cagliari it was um, some guy. His name Robin Olsen or something. <laughs> yeah. The bane of John Solano's existence was in goal. And actually uh, had six saves in this game. <laughs> That's because they're shot at him, probably. <laughs> I mean, I, they might have been nice slow rollers for him, you yeah, know, break yeah. him back in, give him a chance. I mean, it angered me because I have Cranio in our uh, our team setting, our sit-down fantasy team. So, yeah, um, so when I saw that Robin Olsen was getting the start, I was kind of aggravated, but what are you going to do? But, uh, but no, it was, uh, you know, Good for uh, good for Mr. Olsen, a, a, a game of redemption for him, uh, and really an important game for Cagliari with all the hype surrounding them and with the additions that they made to their team and you know and how they reinforced and how they uh, spent the Nicolo Barella money. Um, and considering the start they got off to, losses to Genoa, narrowly lost to uh, Inter, and then just you know everything going with going on with their ultras. You know, to go on the road and just kind of get rid of all that noise and go and 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 win a match and get three points was uh, was really critical for them. Yeah, absolutely. It was much needed three points. Um, and it's funny because too, they were, uh, they asked Robin Olsen about you know the whole departure from Roma, and you know he took it with a grain of salt, and he was like, look, they they made it, they made a decision, they went with it, and I'm here, Kaladi, and I'm looking forward to playing here. So. Um, you gotta like that he's at least uh, trying to avoid some of the negativity and, and move on from 
the debacle that was a Roma. Uh, so he get he gets the win. Um, you, the one guy you want to feel also for for Caleri, who has who started off the season actually fairly well, is Jao Pedro. Uh, he thought he had a goal to make a four one, and his goal gets taken away because it was offsides, uh, or actually it's a foul by him. But there was a um, foul prior to the play. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he's having a he's having a good start to the season so far, and 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 Galeri, you know, will need a player like him to to step up and and play, make some goals, make some assists. Um, so. Uh, Kaladi could have a, a pretty good season, but they need a they need to shake off the early season rust that they had with those two first losses. Um, but you know, if you look on the other side, Parma, they're what do we make of them? They're they're not playing well at the moment. I mean, they got guys like Gervinho and, and Inglese. Um, that's really about it. Bruno Alves had a, a nice free kick in the game that hit off the post, but I mean, he's, yeah, hit the post. He's seventy three years old, so that he's not going to do much for you. Luigi Seppe is the only other player that's really good for them at the moment. Um, but where oh, he had a ter- he had a, he, Seppe had a terrible game to, yeah. uh, in this one, but I get it. Yeah, he's he's normally very reliable for them. Um, but Darmian made his first. Uh, I think this was Darmian's first start too. Yeah, yeah. There's some there's good pieces uh, that's just going to need some time coming coming together. Hernani's not a bad player either. I remember seeing a couple games when he played for Zenit. Um, you know, so there like I said, there are some pieces here. Uh, but it's going to take them a little bit of time. The question is, is you know, how much time do you have? Right now, I think we're looking at a team, and I thought that this was a perfect example of a second season syndrome kind of team. Not a team that I think is in any danger of getting relegated, uh, but one that better figure out a way to accumulate some points. It's not a terrible start to the season for them. They do have three points. They did win a game to uh, you know to get this started, um, but. Uh, they're going to need to figure out, you know, they beat, they want to do the uh, They can be forgiven to lose for, for losing to Juve, even if it was at home. Um, but they're going to need to start accumulating some points here uh, and, um, and, and build a campaign where they can make sure that they're safe. Yeah, I agree with you. And um, you want to see Parma and you, and you think, I think at least that Parma can uh, get out of this, you know, any 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 talk of uh, relegation or anything like that it should be a a decent enough squad to 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 save off that but they need to get some pieces uh, rolling on the same page and for once because uh, it seems like every game one player is just taking their their turn to be the man of the match and everybody else is just taking a break so uh, hopefully these guys can uh, get back into uh, some of the rhythm they had last year especially early on in the season and uh, get some goals get some wins get some points together for sure. For sure, uh, definitely agree with all of that. Parma just Parma Parma's going to have to come together a little bit here, and uh, they're gonna, there's going to be a there's going to be a few painful results along the way while that happens. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, and going on to the next game in the Multi Calcio, uh, we're going to Ferrara with Spal hosting Lazio. Lazio starting the season uh, fairly well, that three nothing win against Sampdoria, which now at this point may be not that great, and then uh, a one one draw on the Derby della Capitale. Uh, meanwhile, Spal. Um, not so much of a of a great start, really. Uh, they had um, uh, a loss, three two opening opening game to Atalanta. Well, it was a good score fest. They did lose to Bologna in the next game, so um, many wondered how Spal would perform at home in this one, uh, especially with Lazio in the format they're in. It did not start well for them. Ciro Immobile gets a penalty in the 17th minute. Um, scores a goal there. He's uh, your pick for the Capo Canigneri. Uh, he's off to a flying start this season. Uh, this guy just... I'm, I'm glad you said that for me. Uh, someone had to do it. <laughs> you, know? you, you kept tuning your own horn for the past couple of weeks, so I had to do it for you there. Well, i got to remind everybody every time he scores. That's just what I do on Twitter. Is that, uh, This is a perfect time to remind everybody this is my Capo Canigneri pick. So. 
And, uh, yeah, so that, that Capacanieri pick, uh, gave Lazio the lead, uh, in the first half. Uh, Lazio, uh, they, while they, they did, they did some good stuff in this game, in this game, really, you know, they had 10 shots, but really, they didn't really make the, the small goalkeeper work too much. I mean, he, I think he made maybe one, had one big save in the, in the game overall. Obviously, Lazio's gonna dominate possession and stuff like that, but many, many of the Lazio were talking about how, um, Inzaghi got this one completely wrong this game. And it goes to show you in the second half, especially Andrea Petagna uh, scored a nice volley in the 63rd minute to make it 1-1, uh, kind of like a pinball, pinballing around the box, and he ended up getting the loose ball. Nice play off his chest to, to set himself up. Um, and it looked like, really, that it was gonna, the game was going to end honors even. Uh, but uh, an old ghost, uh, one of their better players for Spal, uh, steps up. Yasmin Kurtic in the 92nd minute uh, scores a goal to give Spal steal the three points from Lazio in this one. Uh, they went two to one. Um, first with Spa, the winners. Um, it's good to see both Kurtic and Patania getting the scoreboard for this team because really those are two of the better players for the squad. And um, where, where Spa goes is where those two players take them. Um, I, I agreed 100%. Um, I, I think that uh, Di Francesco is decent for them too. Yeah, uh, he is good. And I think that. Uh, Murgia, the uh, former Lazio man, had a very nice game here. Um, very active, particularly in the second half. Motivation against his whole team? Yeah, yeah. There's always that narrative. Um, you can't. Uh, you can't rule. Terrible. You can't rule that out. And Barisha had a nice game here. So, um, you know, Nana Tomovic. Well, he got subbed off, but until then, he was. You know, he got a yellow card. But other than that, he, I mean, he actually looked like an actual Serie A defender for parts of the game too. <laughs> You know, good for him. Same with Thiago Chonik. Uh, but I watched a, a lot of this game and, and couldn't believe Lazio weren't, didn't have this thing put away by halftime. Again, I, Lazio have to probably be the most frustrated team right now for through these first three games because they're sitting on four points. They should have nine. Um, they bossed the first day. They should have had this game out of reach in the first half, uh, with the chances that they had. They didn't take them. Um, they got the penalty from Immobile. Uh, th- obviously, the derby against Roma where, you know, the uh, the posts and the crossbar all had to be repaired uh, <laughs> after that was over with. So you, you're talking about a Lazio team that, in my opinion, have dropped five points here in these first three games in the season. Um, but, you know, coming back to Spall, you know, they figured things out at halftime. They made terrific adjustments. They let Lazio have the ball. They tried hitting him on the break. Lazio had more possession here. But, I mean, Lazio was 60-40 on possession in the second half, but Spall outshot them 11-2 to with three shots on target to zero. I mean, yeah. that's that's just clinical um, of making your team, you know, waste the ball, let them have more of the ball, but waste it at every opportunity. And then when you've got it, taking good care of it and, and, and taking your chances when they come, you know, well done by Spall here in the second half to, uh, you know, to find themselves lucky to only be a goal down at halftime uh, and take advantage of that and step up in the second half and come back and win this match. You know, so now we look at the at the, at the Lazio side and uh, well, who are we to believe? Uh, you know, are, are who are they really? Because yeah, they beat Sampdoria three nothing to start the season. We're thinking, oh, that's a great win, but you know, Sampdoria has zero points so far this season. Um, then the, in the, in the derby, yeah, it's a 1-1 draw, a good, good result. But then they go and lose this one to, to, to Spal. Is this a, a hiccup? 
in the in the season so far, or just more um, more indicative of how the team actually plays? I mean, yeah, they dominate possession, they get their opportunities, but they're not finishing. They're not finishing like they should. Um, and so, at what point, as a Lazio fan, do they start getting worried that yeah, we're doing a lot of possession, but it's all for not and not getting the goals, not getting the results? Is it too way too early to hit the panic button for them? Way too early. I've seen this. I've seen this Lazio team do this in the first half, like they had here, and be up three 0 at halftime and have the game buried, you know, under Inzaghi. So it's 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 in their locker. They can do it for whatever reason. They didn't finish their chances, just like they didn't finish their chances in the derby. So it's just it's a finishing issue right now with them. Um, that when you consider the players that they've got, Immobile, Alberto, uh, Caicedo started in this game. Yeah. Um, you know, Marco Parolo, uh, pops up and scores the odd goal. Their full, their, their, their three center backs can score on set pieces. So the goals are there. Um, you know, right now they're just, you know, not being taken. Um, so eventually, you know, these games against these bottom half teams, when they get to, they're going to get back to being three nil up on them, yeah. uh, and having these games put away. They're just, I, I, <laughs> they're unlucky. Um, I think where the criticism can now fall is, you know, I think you got to get on the players for not finishing, but uh, it it is a little bit damning that Spall can just have such a margin of shots in the second half. Um, with such, with with less possession, uh, shots on target, chances created, whatever you want to say. Uh, so that's where it can that, that that's where I see it getting sticky. That's where I think some of the fingers need to get pointed at Inzaghi and say, hey, something's going on here. We're not taking we're not taking our chances. We're not creating enough chances. We've got you know we've got possession and not a lot of purpose here. Uh, and that's what happened with Lazio in the second half. And and I think you got to give Spall a lot of credit for stepping up and taking advantage. 100%, and, uh, and Zaghi's not going to have too many bad games in a row, so uh, look for them to bounce back and uh, play well and be tactically more sound uh, coming into this uh, Europa League fixture coming up this week. So um, going into the other side of Roma, Roma hosting Sassuolo, and this for me was the game of the weekend. Um, yeah, while the Bologna-Brescia game was 4-3, I thought the goals of this one were much prettier. It was a very fun game to watch, and I love the Sassuolo away kits. In this one, um, the scoring started early. Brian Cristante off a set piece in the 12th minute. He would score, making one nothing for Roma. Uh, seven minutes later, Edin Dzeko would get in and get in on the act and assist off of uh, Kolarov, I believe. Uh, makes it two nothing within 20 minutes. Um, three minutes later, um, a new man for uh, for Roma, Henrik Mkhitaryan. Um, he's going to get a goal of the week candidate. Uh, with his goal in the 22nd minute, welcome to Serie A. You know, we failed to mention the Inter matchup. Alexis Sanchez made his debut, and he nearly scored as well. But Mkhitaryan did get his goal, made it 3 nothing, just 22 minutes into the game. And then to round out the first half, Justin Cliver in the 33rd minute with a goal. Uh, dancer on the goalkeeper gets it in. 4 nothing. Roma the first half. And I see this scoreline, and I'm like, whoa, whoa. Is this a new Roma now with Mkhitaryan? Did he, does he that good of a player that he made his team this an outstanding juggernaut scoring wise what was your thoughts when you saw the scoreline at halftime and this is paulo fonseca yeah all offense right yeah this is what you get with them and they're they're relentless um when they when they're 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 nastiest on the counter i think they've had some brilliant goals on the counter attack so far this season um so 
for me, uh, just obviously just a complete performance from them in the first half. Sassuolo had more of the ball in the first half, and yeah, you know, like Lazio, did nothing with it. Um, and Roma hit on the break, and they hit relentlessly. And, and they've got players now. When you take a look at what they're doing with these counterattacking tactics, when they get into those positions, I mean, Justin Kleibert's perfect for that. Um, you know, Henrik Mkhitaryan can orchestrate those things, you know, whether he creates it or whether he finishes it off himself. You know, Cristante and, and Pellegrini from positions that they're playing in. And then, obviously, Dzeko is a veteran finisher. So these are all... Uh, you know, these are all good components, and it surprises me how quickly they were able to come together and and orchestrate the performance that they did in the first half. Um, I think some of this had to do with when you look at Sassuolo, you're looking at a, a defense here that has just not played together before either. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, Ferrari, Marlon, and, and Vlad Cilic is coming over from Napoli, so... You know, so it's a little bit of a patchwork defense here for Sassuolo, but we've said this about Sassuolo under Dizerbi last season. They're fun bad. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. They're going to score a lot of goals, but they're going to give up a lot of goals. You know, Paulo Fonseca, his tactics at Roma, it's it's fun bad. They're going to score a bunch, but they're going to give up a bunch because they don't have the defenders. So, um, But a complete first half from Roma, the way they approached the match, the way they invited Sassuolo to have the ball and come forward and, you know, just maybe weren't, you know, you know, didn't didn't uh, didn't press them as much, you know, invited them to make the mistake and then just pounce on it. And I thought uh, Roma was just, you know, just uh, clinical in uh, how they managed this first half. Yeah, 100 percent. And I, I look forward, uh, you know, I've been meaning to do my manager analysis on Paulo Fonseca and uh, I am going to be doing. I just, you know, vacation got in the way and stuff like that. But uh, watching games like this, it's going to be fun to analyze it, analyze his play and his tactics, and see what you know what the possibility is for Roma this season with him. So, um, so four nothing in halftime for Roma. They're looking great. Um, second half though, uh, Sassuolo would try to chip away at that lead. Uh, probably one of the players, of the player, comeback players of the year, you know, potentially maybe Douglas Costa is going to get that overall. But uh, Domenico uh, Domenico Barardi. Uh, two goals in the second half, 53rd minute, and then the 72nd minute with a, with a great strike there, a goal of the week candidate. Um, he gets it back to 4-2, but that's as close as uh, Sassuolo would make it. Uh, 4-2 would be the final in this one, but this game was this fun, wide-open game to watch. Uh, good to see lots of good goals in this one. Um, overall, Sassuolo had a little bit more possession of the ball. It kind of evened out at the end of it, but uh, Roma, you know, Roma doubled them in shots and obviously doubled them in goals. Um, good performance by Roma overall. Um, you know, we were talking about Roma, but Sassuolo, you know, other than their their nice jerseys, uh, they need to find defensively a way to keep teams out. I mean, they should not be giving up four goals in a game, let alone four goals in a half. Um, Domenico Bar- Domenico Barardi is not going to bail him out all you know all the time. He's leading the league now in goals at the moment with five, but um, he's not going to do that all season long. I'm not going to. He's he's not going to cop a kind of area this year, so they're going to have to figure it out defensively to stop teams uh, and try to win games, low scoring as opposed to these uh, shootouts. Well, Sassuolo lost this match, but they have the two goals that are goal of the week candidates. Yeah, right. So there's a consolation. Go figure. There. Wait, what do they the want? The free kick, the free <laughs> kick, and then the just a, the second one was just a clinical team goal. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, the the defenders I named off, they're decent. They're okay. They're not. They're not like putting. Um, who was the really crap one for Kievo last year? Um, <laughs> it's not like putting guys like Capuano back there. Um, 
you know, they're all right. There's there's some there's some ability to them. They're just going to need some time to play together. Um, and until then, there's going to be some goals given up. So, uh, but they've got something going forward. But you know, not just Berardi, but also Caputo, and then uh, you know Duncan coming through in the midfield. I thought that he imposed himself a little bit more in the second half in this game. Um, but uh, you know, Roma had this thing put away already. Uh, you could possibly attribute those two goals to, all right, this thing is ours as long as we just kind of manage things here in the next 45 minutes and don't totally screw this up. Uh, but in the end, um, you know, you talk about Sassuolo's defensive frail of tees. I'm, I'm far more concerned about Roma's. Roma's conceded six goals here in the first three matches of the season. So, you know, Robin Olsen leaves, Costas Manolas leaves, but the defensive problems haven't gone away. You know, they, yeah. they, they have. And, uh, I think that that is going to, you know, limit their ceiling as a team because when they start playing some more dynamic attacks, and you even saw this with Sassuolo, they came back and scored a couple. When they play some more dynamic attacks, on another day, Lazio beats them five to one in the derby two weeks ago. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, on another day. So that's something that they're going to have to, you know, and, and it may not get tightened up under Paulo Fonseca. Fonseca is going to say, hey, we're just going to play this way. I get my defense stinks. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna bomb forward. We're gonna just gonna hit on counters and whatever we concede, we're gonna try to you know we're whatever we concede, we're just gonna try to score more one, one more then. Yeah, it's like the Golden State Golden State Warriors mentality, right? We're not gonna play defense, but we're gonna outscore you, or at least yeah. try. You know, um, yeah. it's uh, Roma. I want to contribute their their two goals they gave up in the second half more to them. Just say, you know saying you know what, let's not get anybody injured and let's look forward to the to to the Europa League match and the. And the um, in this upcoming week and, you know, just see this one out. And I think that's kind of why those two goals really were scored. They're great goals, but um, I think they were just more looking ahead at that point and didn't want anybody to get injured. So uh, we'll see how the, the next few games play out with them defensively. But uh, I think I, I agree with you that they're, you know, they're going to be just trying to outscore teams as opposed to care about defense. Paulo Fonseca has said it himself. So um, Roma wins this one 4-2. That rounds out the multi-calcio. The late game on Sunday would be Hellas Verona hosting Milan. Um, we talked about the, the incidents we heard in, in, with the crowd, but we'll, we'll, let's stick to the field on this one. Um, early on, a, a wrench was thrown in Verona's plans where Mario Stupinski gets a red card uh, in the 21st minute uh, for a high a high heel, high foot uh, to the face of Musacchio, if I'm, if I'm correct, Frank. Uh, yeah, that was Musacchio. It was actually initially a yellow. They went to VAR. Yeah. To give him the red. Did you think that was harsh? You think it was a fair call? What did you think about the the Shipinski red card? That's a red every time. Yeah. You go that high, you go that high, you go cleats up, and you make contact. He made contact. And you don't yes. make contact with the ball, and you make contact with with an opponent. You're you're done. Your night's done. Um, and and as we always say, when teams go down to ten men, they either play really well or play really poor. I thought uh, Verona actually played fairly decent for being down ten men. They might play better with ten men than they did with eleven. Um, they had a young, uh, young attacker, uh, Valerio Vede. Um, he had a great opportunity to give actually Verona the lead early on in the first half. A great pass over the top that he, he beautiful touch uh, with the with the long ball pass, but his finish just over the crossbar. Uh, Donnarumma had to make some big saves in this matchup, uh, but it would go into halftime zero zero. Um, I mean, if you, uh, I'm going to quote somebody on Twitter, and usually we like to give credit, but I can't think of the person who who tweeted this out. But if you had a if you had a problem with insomnia, that you had no problem in this matchup, that you know you'd fall asleep right away. The game was a uh, little slow in the first half, uh, very tactical. Uh, going to the second half, it did pick up a little bit more. Um, 
I really want to talk about the the lineup that Milan went to go with. Um, this one, obviously, you know, Piantic was playing, but you had Paqueta, Suzo, Chalanolu, Bilia, Kessi uh, were the, the the attackers in this game. Obviously, the back four stayed the same with Calabria, Muzaki, Romagnoli, and Rodriguez. Um, what did you make of the lineup with Milan? And how do you think they performed for, for the entirety of this game, really? Um. <laughs> Here are the things that I said because I did a Milan thread earlier here on Twitter. Um, you know, don't kid yourself. The, the, the defense is outstanding. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Numa is playing really. He had an outstanding double save very early in this game. Um, Romagnoli and Mus- well. Roma, Romagnoli and Musacchio have a really nice partnership going. Yeah. Okay. So the defending has been very, very good. Um, I mean, to go through three games, I don't care who the opponents are. You go through three games, you've conceded one goal, and that was on a corner kick. Uh, defensively, you're doing something right. And it's important that that stays consistent while the other side figures it out because the other side just hasn't figured it out yet. Um, there's uh, what Milan on Twitter seems to think there's just a a sick obsession with – Forcing it into Suzo and having him do all the problem solving, and I, I'm starting to agree with that, and I'm I'm finding it to be unnecessary. Um, I, this was a, a rare game where Paqueta struggled. Yeah. Um, you know, but Chalhanolu was pretty good here. Um, Kessie was pretty good here, despite what he was subjected to. I like the spots in the penalty area that Kessie's getting into. Yes, I in do these too. situations. He'll start finishing them those uh, later in the season. Yeah, and eventually it's a goal waiting to happen. You know, so let him continue to do those things. Um, But right now, and um, this would be a good time to bring in uh, AC Milan Michael's question. Ah. Uh, I understand Giampaolo using what worked last year at Milan for now, especially with the light early schedule. But when will we see him actually start utilizing some summer signings and what do you expect that to look like? Well, and you brought okay. this up too as well on Twitter. Yeah, I did. I said, you know, I said, when are we going to start using the new signings? Because, you know, in the Udinese game, he played his 4-3-1-2 and he put square pegs in round holes. Then he went back to what Catuso did in the 4-3-3 because that's what the existing players were capable, comfortable with. Benacer started in the Belia role um, as the Regista in that game, but then he doesn't start in this game. They go with Belia. Um, so, uh, you know, so it's, it's really confusing. I mean, what are we, what are we bringing in these signings for if we're not going to use them? You know, you spend the money. Dennis there just came off being the player of the tournament at the African Cup of Nations. Um, you know, we get Tio Hernandez is not ready to come back in yet. You sign on Tedrevich, and in his first game, I don't expect him to start. That's fine. And he, he, he got some run. He got to play, you know, but. Is, is, is Rade Krunic all of a sudden terrible? Because I, I, I watched his games with Empoli the second half of the season. He was really good. Yeah. Um, you know, is and, and, and maybe it's the factor of Chalhanolu and Kessie are actually playing pretty well right now that they're keeping him out. So on that end, Mike, um, you know, I think they're having a hard time bringing in some of these new players because the returning players are actually doing a serviceable job, and I think the evaluation here from Giampaolo is just it's not a spot where I can bring in these new guys and and, and disrupt the rhythm. This is what I've got right now. Um, Now, uh, what do I expect it to look like? Well, these players were recruited to play Giampaolo's 4-3-1-2 system. The problem is, who's the one? Who's the trequartista? Uh, I'm not sold that Suso can be the guy there. He can be. 
um, I'm not totally sold. He had a couple of nice moments in preseason, but that's preseason. Okay, you're you're playing against guys that are going to go back and play with their youth teams after it's done. Um, you know, so uh, who's the support striker for Piontek? Is it Rebic? Do you start Rebic and Piontek together up front? I think that would be brilliant. I do too. Okay, but who's the trequartista? You know, Suzo, Pocketa. You, I know you're clamoring for Pocketa. <laughs> All right. Second coming of Kaká. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> um, should clearly be the regista in this team. We're bringing yes. him over. I mean, he's a brilliant player. Um, and uh, you know, Verona didn't respect Bilia. That if I imagine if Benasser played in that spot last night, I think we're looking at a different story. I think we're looking at more goals for Milan um, because I think that that puts Verona, puts Verona in some interesting situations. I don't think that Bilia is the passer or has the range that Benacer has, you know, as, as far as being a playmaker in that spot. Bilia brings a lot of experience to that position. That's what that's what he has going for him. Um, and then, you know, so right now, out of everybody, the, the signings that I expect to see out there is Rebic, uh, Benacer, and, and Teo when he's ready. So... Yeah, because Rodriguez needs to come off because he's been terrible. Yeah, <laughs> although he was all right in this game. I mean, there was, there, I mean, there's, there's, there's no way. I mean, you really couldn't suck yeah. at this game. Defensively, he was decent. Playing Offensively, he was terrible. He had the one right cross that went nowhere. I mean, and it stands somewhat. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> sure, sure. No, no. I know what you're saying, but no, Rodriguez, he was okay. But I mean, I, th- those are going to be the three guys that you're probably going to see. I don't know if you're going to get to see Duarte play. I don't know if you're going to get to see Leal play a whole lot. Right now, the way this whole thing is shaken out, um, and I and I get with like Juve with you know because Marito Sarek was sick and he was unable to implement his strategy early on with U- Juve, and so I get why they put their, their their main staples out there, the guys who know what to do, and just put them out there until he's got more time with the team. Gianpaolo had the whole preseason, and they were looking like they were on the right right track with the four three one two, but he abandoned it or whatever reason, changed up his his formation just slightly. And he he's going back to what it was last year a little bit. Um, yeah, to to your point, some of the players that uh, from last year like Chalanolu and Kessier, uh, they're playing pretty well at the moment. Um, but at some point, you need to give these guys that you that you sign uh, an opportunity to see what they got. Krunic, I mean, I'm I'm dying to see what Krunic can do. Like you, I want to see Benacer out there. Uh, from the beginning of the game, really, from like the 19th minute onward, I was clamoring for Suzo to come off and put in Ante Rebic. Yeah, both Rebic, I mean, both uh, Paqueta and Suzo were having a bad first half. Um, I thought Suzo was the worst of the two, but um, obviously a change had to be made, and, and so Paqueta was the one who was taken off at the, for, at the halftime. In would come Ante Rebic. Um, he would play on the left wing, and he, obviously he's going to have a little bit of jitters. He obviously tried to go at the players at, at points. Um, in the second half, he lost the ball here and there, but you expect that from a new player, you know, still trying to get acclimated, trying to assert himself into the team and take it over. So um, he had he had he had a decent first game, uh, but the, the game would uh, would end up going to a, a penalty would be uh, had in the 68th minute. Um, Milan awarded a penalty. Uh, they would go to VAR. It says a penalty. Uh, Piante, excuse me, uh, stepped up, took the goal, scored the goal, gives uh, get the breakthrough for Milan. Um, Piante thought he had his brace. I thought he had his brace, Frank. They said it, they went to VAR and it was overturned. It was what offsides, I guess it was. I don't know what the call was, but uh, I disagree with it 100%. I thought that was a second goal for Piante. What do you think on his potential brace goal? 
Um, I think what they ruled was that the goalkeeper established uh, possession of the ball in his hands. And I disagree with that. And it's 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 awfully close. Yeah. It was awfully close. And I think when it's awfully close, they're going to give the goalkeeper the benefit of the doubt, which is which, you know, it's a and I think that's more of a player safety thing than anything. I didn't have a problem with the goal when it was scored. I thought maybe he lost a little bit of control of it. But when you kept showing the replays, it looks like he had both hands over the top of the ball, kind of clutching it on the ground. Um, So I I wasn't really bothered by the goal being disallowed. You know, because of just trying to put it from the referee's perspective. Um, but, uh, yeah, pity that it couldn't be 2-0 and Milan couldn't be in a more comfortable situation. Uh, but I also understand the way VAR looked at it and the way the referee looked at it. I, 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 I would have been happy with the goal, but I also did. I personally didn't have a problem with the call. I, I, I saw the things that I thought the referee saw, so... Yeah, and as this game was going on, two things were coming to mind. One thing was, why is Giampaolo not making any more substitutions? Is he trying to save these up and add them on to the, the derby next week? What's going on there? Because uh, only had the one substitution in the game, and that was at halftime. And then as the game went on, you know, we are accustomed to seeing Milan do Milan things at the end of games and somehow capitulate and, and, and give up a goal. Um, we thought that happened in the... Uh, 93rd minute when Davide Calabria thought he was a WWE wrestler and clotheslines uh, the uh, attacker for Verona. A stupid a stupid foul, in my opinion, uh, right outside the box. I thought it was inside the box when it happened. I thought a penalty for sure has happened there. Uh, when that happened, I said, here we go. Game's over. Game's tied 1-1. Uh, what do you think of Calabria's, in my opinion, bonehead play at the end of the game? It was dumb. He's uh, lucky that it wasn't in the penalty area. Um, I kind of get why he did it because he didn't have a defender behind him for support. Um, but it was even dumber that he, you know, tried to play ignorant <laughs> afterward. Yeah. yeah, I didn't do anything. It's like either. I think you, I, th- I think you know what you did there, kid. Just take your red card and get the hell out of there. Um, but they had to go to VAR to make sure the the spot of the infraction was correct and it was outside the box, which they got that right. So. Um, no, I, 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 I thought hopefully this is close enough that it'll hit the wall and, and, and he won't be able to get it up and down. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. It was Miguel Veloso with a, with a free kick. And, uh, it's one guy who, who can finish. He's been our, he's been in our top five goals with, with the set pieces before. So I was a little worried to see him out there, but like you said, it was close enough where the wall would have blocked it. And that's what, that's exactly what happened. And Milan escaped with a one nothing victory. Um, what do you make of the performance? Because you know, obviously, you listen to me on Twitter every week at, at the end of the end of the year. But um, I thought, uh, you know, as the, as the games have progressed, that every game they're getting a little bit better, a little bit something a little bit more that you were like, okay, we're getting better. Let's let's keep it going, keep it going. What, what do you make of the performance in this one? My own personal message to me on Twitter right now: take the three points and shut the fuck up. Okay, it's a new manager, it's new ideas. Okay, the old Milan split points in this game. Okay, or at least the Milan, the banter era Milan, the Milan of the last few years. Okay, a campaign is built on one nil wins. 
All right, and let's talk about Verona a little bit. Verona are going to be a pain in the ass for everybody this season. Yeah, they are. Okay, the way they're playing and the way they're setting up, they don't care about having the ball. They're going to try to shithouse every single game because I think they've come to the realization that they're really no good, and they're going to make life miserable on everybody, and that's exactly what happened here. Okay, they got the red card. They packed it in, tried to hit us on the break. That's what happened. Um, you, they're going to do that a lot this year. They drew Bologna playing the same way. They were down to 10 men. They pulled the draw against Bologna. And you talk about how much I rave about how Bologna play. All right. So when you want to look at it as a basis of comparison, start there. All right. Verona is going to make life miserable on everybody. Uh, They beat a Lecce who, you know, we're going to talk about them next, might not be that bad after all. Yeah. Um, You know, so Verona is going to give everybody a hard time this season. You're just going to have to grin and bear it. The Udinese game was really ugly, and we get it. Okay, but they almost rescued the point out of that. Uh, Brescia, ask uh, ask ask Bologna and ask uh, Parma about Brescia. Okay, <laughs> um, they're 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 here and they're going to be a pain. So when I look at Milan here, it's six points from nine getting from 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 nine. Three opponents that you would think on, on most Milan teams would easily have nine points at this time, but you also got to look at it as a new coach, new ideas, new system. They're juggling the tactics around. They're trying to find the right mix, and in the process, they have six points, and they're in they're they're in a tie. You know, they're in a tie for fourth. All right, with with Napoli, Atalanta, and Torino, with a new manager, and we have and, and Milan haven't even see it's six points with a chance to play even better. Okay. They've been average at best over these three games, and they have two wins out of three. The good football is coming, Meal on Twitter. Hang in there. And when it does, you're going to forget that you had these growing pains or these teething problems, as I referred to them a couple of weeks ago. Okay, you know all about teething problems now, by the That's way. That's right. I do. Big time. So, so, so hang in there. Enjoy these ugly wins. Okay, it's going to be a grind until everybody figures it out and everybody figures out what Giampaolo is demanding of him. I'm warming up to Giampaolo. The defending has been fine. Don't have to worry about it. Don't have to touch it. And now just come up with the right mix to figure out how to create more scoring chances. Milan's going to get there. I'm convinced. Uh, going over to the Verona side, I think they they have a potential gem in Valerio Vere. Uh, I like, I really like what I saw oh, at the sure. end of this game. They need to find a way to develop the team around him. Um, that touch that he had on that long ball early on in the first half, not many people can do that touch. And had he finished that goal, it would have been goal of the year, hand, goal of the year candidate, hands down, probably for majority of the season, unless Qualiadella pulls it off again. Um, it was that good of a play that he nearly scored on. So they need to, they need to find a way to, um, uh, develop the team around him and, and get him involved and get him to score some goals because um, if he can get some goals with them, they're, they're going to be even harder to play against because that's the one thing they're really missing right now is someone who can really put the ball behind the net consistently and their game plan of going down to 10 men and then and then eking out wins or eking out points uh, it can only get them so far. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I But I think, I you know, reinforcing what I said, they're going to be... They're going to be a whole lot of misery for everybody that they play against. Yeah, especially um, and yeah, especially at home, especially at the Bentagoti. Um, they don't look like they're going to give up much, um, and uh, you know they're they're not going to score a lot going forward. But 
it looks like Ivan Juric has this team set up to just really try to grind things out, and they're going to just try to shit house a lot of win, you know, a lot of points here, um, and they're not going to be pleasant for people to play against. Um, and they 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 seem to be showing that here through the first three games. Well, Milan get the escape with the three points, as we said. Um, the last game of the weekend uh, would actually be, be played today. It was Torino hosting Lecce. Um, you know, many of us raved that Torino had such a great start to the season thus far. They played a team, Lecce, who we thought was just dead in the water and we were going to just maybe get a point this season. That's how bad they were playing. But uh, uh, different set of circumstances in this one. Um, the road team, Lecce, I really like their jerseys both home and away, um, Frank. Uh, but Lecce came to play in this one, um, an, an old face that's haunted many teams in uh, Serie A, Diego Farias. He gets on the board early on in the 35th minute, um, loose ball in the box off a great shot previously by a Lecce player. He gets a rebound, goes in the goal 1-0 for, uh, for Lecce, going into halftime. Coming out the break, uh, Zaza gets pulled down in the box uh, in the 58th minute. Uh, Andrea Bellotti stepped up, scores a goal, continues his hot start to the season. It's one-one at this point. And uh, by the way, I get a I get such a chuckle at how the commentator from uh, uh, from from our side on the of it on ESPN. Yeah, on Dazen and ESPN. <laughs> it seemed to take him an awful long time to figure out that Torino was awarded a penalty. I know, I know. <laughs> like, dude, really? What are you having a hard problem with here? Uh, but it was like he was just talking about the infraction and what happened and all this other stuff. He's like he's going on this, like he's like talking about all kinds of other things for talking about like the shape of the clouds and shit, you know, or or whatever he was saying. And he's like, oh, by the way, this is a penalty. Oh my gosh, it's just like when did this happen? <laughs> it's, uh, but a penalty was awarded and Belotti did put it away. One one fifty eighth minute. Um, and at that point, I thought maybe Torino was going to pull this one out, but Lecce they hung in tough and. Uh, one of the goals of the week candidates for me, Marco Mancoso, uh, Mancoso, excuse me, uh, he scored a goal in the 73rd, gives Lecce a 2-1 lead. Lecce would hang on for the victory in this one. Um, a brave performance by Lecce, Frank, on the road, especially that, I mean, they concede a possession almost, you know, 3-1. to one. Uh, their goalie had to make, you know, a couple saves in this one. They had a good amount of shots, 12 shots, and, and as did Torino, but, um, I thought, you know, a team like Lecce, I thought who was going to be dead in the water all season, not going to put up any fight, especially against Torino. And they proved us all wrong and, get, and walk away with three points on the road. What a, what a big victory for them. Um, and, I mean, the question really for Torino, what, 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 did you do, what did you do with the real Torino? Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, just really an uncharacteristic performance from them, especially defensively, especially Sidigo. I mean, I... Okay, I get palming it. Um, on, on, I mean, both Lecce's goals were rebounds off of Sidigu palming it out or parrying it or whatever you want to call it. But you look at where he parried. He parried it low, and it stayed in the penalty area. And, you know, when when you coach or when you go through, when you play club soccer, whatever level of soccer you play, everybody talking about winning the second ball. And it felt like in both situations that Lecce got their goals, the Torino players just all just kind of stood and froze. You know, I mean, especially on the first one that Farias scored, um, you know, in Mancosu, it was relatively similar. It was just like there was, you know, and usually when you see these Torino players and you see these defenders that they that they run out there, they're lively. They win the tackle and they'd win. They follow up and winning the second tackle. And that didn't happen here. So 
really for me, very uncharacteristic of Torino, a poor loss for them because they failed to do things that they're regularly good at. Um, you know, and Lecce, you know, good for them to find a way to get three points. It's a big win for them. They outshot Tonino in this game. Yeah. Um, I mean, this has been a theme of the weekend to let the other team have the ball and hit them on the break. A lot of teams did this. Um, you know, kind of getting back to some of the old Catanaccio tactics. You know, Lecce had 19 shots to 15. They had five on target. Um, you know, Torino did not have a shot on target until Belotti's penalty. Uh, so, you know, it was a very uncharacteristic and strange performance from Mazzotti's men and, and, and exactly why there might be a hard ceiling and there might even be a regression with this Torino team and just kind of pump the brakes on this start. I don't necessarily believe it. And I think today the other shoe dropped. Yeah, hundred percent. And, um, I, I, I'm curious where Torino goes from here. Uh, you know, it's, uh, they're going to have to find ways to be more consistent. I mean, I love the pairing of Belotti and, and Zaza up top, but, you know, they need to find more consistency, especially with teams like, um, Spal, Spal, excuse me, uh, Lecce, who they should be beating. Uh, they need to find a way to get points when, in these type of games, because those are games or must wins for me. And luckily for them, they got some Dorian next, and if they somehow shithouse that game and lose that, um, I don't know what to think about Torino, but that, that's a game they, sh- they should probably walk away three points. For sure. For sure. So who are your goals of the week here? Man, so my goals of the week, uh, I think uh, um, Marco Mancoso from Lecce is my honorable mention. I'm going to go Mkhitaryan, number five. Orsolini, number four. Berardi with his free kick goal, number three. Stefano Sensi with his header, number two. And Duvan Zapata with his winner, the number one of the week. Okay. Um I I uh, I like one and two, so I'll I'll agree with you there. I like the Zapata uh, goal being the goal of the week. I like Sensi coming in second. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Berardi team goal uh, third, and then his free kick fourth. Okay. Uh, and then I'll take uh, I'll take Orsolini's goal fifth, the uh, the winner against Brescia. Okay, sounds good. So those are our five goals of the week. Uh, uh, winner and loser uh in this uh in this in this week of city on matches i think the winner for me excuse me um you know the winner for me is lecce uh you know and up until then uh, i would have said inter for getting off to the three out of three start and i you know won't fight you if you want to say inter is the winner this week um but yep but uh (laughs) you know there's some truth to that sure uh, but to get their first win of the season, when I think after losing to Verona, we were all speculating, Ken and Rocco and I were speculating, are they even going to win a game this year? Right. Uh, and here they are. They come back and they take advantage of a Torino that was just subpar, and uh, and they get it done. Um, you know, a, a loser for me this week is going to be Lazio. Um, and, uh, you know, for exactly what I said, this was – We've seen Lazio go 3-0 up by halftime in games like this, and, and suddenly in two weeks, in these last two weeks, they've had great chances that they have not completely finished, and it's now costing them points. Uh, and they have four they have four points, and they're sitting in ninth when they could easily be joint top with Inter on nine, uh, considering how they've performed. Okay, I like that. I like those shouts. Uh, my winner of the week, or winners of the week, uh, I'm going to go Roma, and in particular Mkhitaryan. Um, you know, debut goal. Uh, Roma came out flying in that first half, four nothing, uh, scoring those great goals. Beautiful counterattacking, fast goals. Um, I think they, I really do think they let up in the second half. Just looking ahead to the midweek, uh, midweek fixtures. 
Um, so they're going to be my winners this game. Uh, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing out of Roma. Hopefully they can continue on this scoring trend with them, uh, get more goals than giving up. Uh, so they're going to be my winners. Loser for me, um, I'm going to go, I'm going to be a little harsh on this one, but I'm going to go Brescia. Um, and not, not Brescia, but a player from Brescia, Daniela, Daniela Desena, again, that red card in the game really cost his team to three points. I mean, who's to say that Brescia wouldn't have won that game had he stayed in the game with, uh, and they, they remained with 11 players. As soon as he went down, uh, went out of the game, uh, Bologna really took over and started scoring the goals. So, um, he's going to be my loser of the week and, uh, Roma are my winners. Okay. That works for me. That works for me. So uh, your winners and losers of uh, Match Week 3, your goals of the week for Match Week 3, go to at down on Twitter or Instagram. Let's get some quick Euro previews and a quick Milan Derby preview. Okay, the Champions League. It is the club competition. We're all excited for it. The league stage begins tomorrow. Uh, we have four Italian teams competing uh, across Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, and then also we've got the Europa League. So let's get into these matches. We're going to start uh, with the Champions League, Richard. Napoli and Liverpool, the big one. Um, that is that's at the San Paolo, right? It is. It is at the San Paolo. Okay, so right off the bat, Napoli getting Liverpool at the San Paolo. Uh, you have Inter hosting Slavia Prague um, at the San Siro uh, in Tuesday's matches. Wednesday's matches, another big one. Juventus traveling to the Wanda Metropolitano to take on Atletico Madrid. Uh, and then Atalanta making their Champions League debut in Croatia, taking on Dinamo Zagreb. Uh, all right, so, um, I mean, the pick of them here from a neutral's perspective is Napoli and Liverpool, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's a rematch of last year's uh, epic uh, two games that they had with each other. Um, it should be an interesting one. It should be a fun one. I think it's going to be uh, a high-octane match, two offenses going at each other. Uh, you know, Angelis is going to try to slog, it, uh, slog up um, Liverpool a little bit, but it's going to be, I think it's not going to be like that 1-1 game or whatever it was, one nothing game where Insigne scored the game winner. Uh, at Liverpool last year, I think it's going to be probably I see some goals in this one, maybe like a three-two game or something like that. Uh, hopefully, hopefully Napoli is the one who gets uh, the results in this one, but it's going to be a fun game, I think. I I agree. I think this is going to be a very very uh, fast-paced game. I think they're all going to have they're each going to have a go at each other. Um, I I think that uh, Liverpool will be content with Napoli to uh, control the game and control the possession and then try to hit them on the break with yeah. the players that they've got going forward with Mane, Firmino, and Salah. Um, and that's where I worry just a little bit because I still, despite the, the clean sheet against Sampdoria, I'm not 100% sure that the Napoli defense is settled. And this this could come at a bad time. Um, Liverpool coming to the San Paolo. Uh, I'm going to say 2-2 two, two, uh, okay. because I think that Napoli are going to have the resources. The one thing that I can you know, potentially be critical of with Liverpool is that their game tends to not travel so well. Um, you know, they're so good at Anfield, uh, but then when they go away, they can still have their hiccups. I think they're going to, they're going to hit Napoli on the break and they're going to hit him pretty hard, but I don't think they're going to keep Napoli out. And I'm going to go with a two, two draw here. I've got no problem. I, I think Inter Cruz against Slavia Prague though. Inter against Slavia Prague. Yeah. Uh, Inter, especially Inter's at home. Uh, how could you not pick them? 
you know Conte does is going to do really well with tactically in this one, and their players are going to be chomping at the bit to to make up make amends for last year's uh, coming shortcomings, not not feeling to qualify for the second round. So uh, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to see something like three nothing game or something. All right, yeah, I like I said, Inter's going to smash. But if you want to look at Slavia Prague and and okay, some players that you might want to be careful of, and I had a little bit of an eye on this team here during the playoff round. Um, you know, they, they, they do have the ability to, to hit you going forward. Stanchi is a very good playmaker for them. Masopust on the, on the wing might cause them some problems. But overall, uh, this is a team that Inter should handle. Uh, not particularly worried about them in the least. Uh, so uh, at the San Siro, should get off to the right start here and get off to three points, which will be fundamental with Dortmund playing Barcelona, you know, and beating each other up. So uh, going into Wednesday's matches, let's talk Atalanta at Dino Mozagna first. I think... And this is just go- this is goals all over the place. Um, Dinamo have Petkovic up front, who uh, scored for Croatia uh, over the international break, scored for Dinamo Zagreb during the playoffs. Uh, Dani Olmo, who is a Barcelona product, doing the playmaking. So, I mean, it's not necessarily a done deal for Atalanta. This is a decent decent Dinamo Zagreb side. That said, I think Atalanta are just far more talented. Um, and I think that this is going to be a this is going to be one of the exciting games of the round, in my opinion. With the way these two teams like to play, there's going to be plenty of chances. Uh, Atalanta win this three two. Okay, okay, I like that. Uh, I too see goals in this one. I am unsure of how Gasparini is going to be in Europe. I mean, we saw what he did last year with them in Europa League, and it was just fun stuff to watch. Uh, but I'm curious how they're going to travel on the road to to, to Croatia. It's not going to be easy place to play, but I think there'll be some goals in this one for sure. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a crazy score line, something like three three. As you can see, lots of goals and this lot lots of wide open play, yeah. you know. So. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think this is. I mean, Group C is going to be loaded with goals when yeah, you look at the teams yeah. that are in it. So, um, so we'll just stick with that. Uh, we'll stick with that mentality. And then finally, at the Wanda Metropolitano. Uh, you could talk about it being revenge for Juventus, although I think they took care of that by reversing what happened at the stadium between these two teams last season when Atleti won 2-0. Um, one of those goal scorers isn't even there anymore, Diego Godin. Um, but Atalanta have, or I mean, sorry, Atalanta, Atletico have reinforced big time. Joao Felix uh, seems to be a big spark plug for what they do. Um You've got the likes of, uh, you know, Kieran Trippier coming over, and he's just going to cross the ball before he even gets off the bus. Um, you've got Sal Niguez, who seems to just score goals in competitions like this. Um, and uh, it's going to be very interesting here to see how this goes. And you've got Diego Costa up front, who I think is going to really harass uh, that combination of Bonucci and Delict uh, back there. That said, um, Juventus counter with some pretty prominent players. Benedeschi is going to probably have to start here for Douglas Costa, um, but the rest of the lineup looks like it's going to be okay. I'm going to go 1-1 here. I think Juventus is going to be more than happy with that. They get their toughest group fixture out of the way, and they can get out of there with a draw. Yeah, and it's going to be tough for them. They're going to face one of the best goalkeepers in the world, and Jano Block. Um, it's going to be a difficult one. They obviously have the, you know Ronaldo uh, in the game, and some of their big players are going to be playing. Uh, the, for me, what I'm going to be looking at is how uh, the defense handles not only Costa, but especially Jao Felix. Um, he's such a special little player, and he can get in behind players. We saw what Irving Lozano did to the Ligt 
in the defense uh, when he came on with Napoli. So I uh, look for some a similar impact with his speed and his uh, his uh, dribbling ability. So that's going to be what I'm going to look at. I, I don't see many goals in this one. It's going to be the opposite of the Dinamo Zagreb-Atalanta game. Um, 1-1 maybe. It might be just one goal in this game. Um, if I had to pick a winner... I'm gonna I, I'm going with the Italian side. I'm gonna go you know Ronaldo goal or something, but it's gonna be one 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 nothing or one one in this game. All right, so those are our Champions League uh, uh, predictions, at least for how the matches are gonna go this week. Magnus uh, Steinkelsen uh, at Steinkelsen asks us the return of the CEO. How do you think the Italian sides will do in this year's competition? Um, I've said this multiple times. I'm gonna say it again. Um. I actually think all four teams are going through to the next stage. Uh, I think Juventus and, and Napoli certainly will go through. Uh, I think Atalanta have the ability to finish second to Manchester City in Group C, and I think Inter are much better coached, much better personnel-wise than they were last season in a very similar group and came within a goal of qualifying over Tottenham for second position uh, to Barcelona and I think that the Zinter team is a much better team this time around. Uh, and I think that they can grab second, and they'll do it at the expense of Borussia Dortmund. That'll be the that, – I think I agree with the first three, other three Italian teams that they're going to be uh, progressing. This one, Atalanta is going to may, maybe be a little bit more difficult than the other two, but I think they're going to progress. Inter have a, a group of depth – a group of death, excuse me. And really it's going to be between them and Dortmund about who progresses out of this group. And I, I see a lot of Dortmund week in and week out. And they're very good attacking-wise. But, you know, with with Julian, uh, with, uh, with Favre, the, the manager there, you're not so sure about whether he can be a big-time manager. Inter have the big advantage over them. And overall, talent-wise, I'm going to give it to Inter with them, especially with Sensi and, and guys like Politano are playing, not to mention Lukaku. And now they got Diego Godin and probably the, one of the best defenses in Serie A once they're, once they're acclimated with each other. Um, I think overall um, Inter will just beat uh, Dortmund, like you were saying, uh, and get by them. And it'll be nice to see Dortmund go out anyway, but that's just personal reasons. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, so that's what we think. I don't know if there's going to be an Italian team in the Champions League final. That's where I struggle. I don't know if any of these teams can make that deep of a run. Not, not I can this see a season. I can see a semifinal run, possibly out of Juventus, maybe even Napoli with Ancelotti and his experience. But I think that's about as far as Italian teams are going to go in the Champions League this year. I really can't see a finalist out of the four teams that are in this competition. So. Um, you know, just to kind of get a little bit more in depth with Magnus's question. Can Do you I, agree can, with that? Do you agree with that? Yeah, oh yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I'm actually going to go out on a limb. I think of, of all the Italian teams, I may at this point in the season, this is really early in the season, but I may, I may be tipping that Inter may be going in the farthest out of all of them. Oh, okay. I like Conte in, in big games and defensively how he's, the team he has in front of him as well. I like their team at the moment. Okay. The season is young. Yep, season is young. Let's move on to Europa League. Um, Cluj against Lazio in Romania can be a very tricky fixture for Insagi's men. Deac and Omrani are probably the two guys you want to worry about on CFR Cluj when uh, when you're a Lazio fan. Uh, Deac, a pretty decent player out of the midfielder. Omrani, you know, look to for the goals and 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 some cre- some chance creations. So. Nonetheless, uh, I still like I still fancy Lazio here to come away with a result. I'll go two one to Lazio. Uh, yeah, I, I've been liking Lazio in Europa League games, especially on the road. I'm going to go 2 nothing. Okay. 
Um, we've got Roma, and uh, they're hosting uh, Istanbul Basaksa here. Because it's tight. Uh, mm, <laughs> thank you. Um, so, uh, I mean, Basaksa here was an interesting story here for a couple of seasons where they were spending some money and they were purchasing some players that had some Premier League experience, you know, among some of the other top leagues, but very veteran players, older players. So you've got Roma with a very, you know, exciting side. Um, you know, at least the way they're playing. I think all Roma games are going to be fun for the neutral right now. The the only thing I'm concerned about is is how invested is Roma going to be in this competition? Um, you know, do they give it a go? I mean, that's what's going to really be the indicator. Um, but when you look at uh, Basaksa here, Gal Clichy, 34 years old, is on this team. Um, uh, this is where Martin Skirtle ended up after Atalanta decided they didn't want him. Um, you know, uh, Aiden Visca, uh, playmaking midfielder, Bosnia, Bosnian international, solid player you got to watch for. All, Arda Turan is part of this mix. Gorkam Inler uh, is on the team as well. Gorkam Inler. So, yeah, some very familiar names in this team. Uh, dare we say, Robinho. <laughs> Do they drag him out to make an appearance in this one? Yeah. He's still alive and he's still playing football in, in Europe. So, um, so some nostalgic names here, but Roma, Roma should take care of business here. But I, I, I like goals in this game as well. But I'll go three one to Roma. Um, I like this. I, I, you know, there are some some notable names on Istanbul's squad that many people will remember from the past. They're not they're not necessarily in their prime now. Uh, so I'm gonna say something like a two one for Roma. Yep. So those are our predictions. Yours go to at City. I sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Finally, Richard. Darby Delamato Nina. The first installment, Giampaolo versus Conte. Uh, let's uh, let's let's just uh, talk about this game just briefly and have a prediction. I think if we learned anything uh, from the last derby, form doesn't matter um, because last time these two played. Inter were struggling, Milan were flying, and everyone were talking about how Milan were going to get the last Champions League spot. And then when that derby happened, Inter win 3-2, and their uh, fortunes both went took a different turn. Um, Inter grabbing a Champions League spot, grabbing fourth, and going to the Champions League. Milan finishing just short of that, finishing fifth, but then forfeiting the Europa League spot over financial fair play. That's the encouragement I can probably give to Milan fans, and I can also say this: I mean, aside, I mean, they thrashed Lecce, but Inter needed a Lukaku penalty to beat Cagliari. Needed uh, could only win one nil on ten men again against ten men Udinese. So, you know, when I when I factor all of this in, I don't think this is a cut and dry Inter win. And maybe this is my red me wearing my red and black glasses. Uh, but I actually, th- I actually think that this game's going to be far more competitive, and I think it's going to be a lot tighter than what some people might early on be saying. I agree with you, and as you said, you know, throw form out the window when these two teams play. Like you said last year, everyone was expecting Milan to finally get a win in the derby after a long time, and what happened? Inter got the win, uh, and so I've already gone out on a limb and and put it on Twitter and said that I actually see a a shock 
win in this one. Milan win 2-1. to one. As much as I like Inter this season thus far, these derbies are just too unpredictable. Um, whenever a team is really playing well, they seem to, to capitulate in these games almost by some fluke circumstances or whatnot. And so I'm going to go Milan win 2-1. to one. Maybe just me the homer being saying this, but uh, yeah, that's my official uh, prediction. I'm going to say 1-1. I think that the other thing that uh, Milan have working for them is that Inter do have a midweek game um, You know that will command some attention. Granted, it is on Tuesday. They're going to have some days to rest before playing the Derby. Um, you know, but I'm going to go 1-1 here. I'm going to chicken out of picking a winner uh, just and, because I think – Anti-Rebic that, winner. Well, there you go. You'd be happy with that. I would. Um, uh, but I'm going to go 1-1 here. I think it's going to be a balanced game. I think that Inter will and, – and by balanced, I think that uh, they'll both struggle for possession, and I think that it's going to be odd goals on each end. Yeah. Uh, not your usual cast of characters that you expect to see scoring, but it'll be honors even. Remember, there's no Duvan Zapata for Milan, so – or not Duvan, uh, <laughs> Christian Zapata in this one, so remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to need another – maybe one Musaki who can score. That's true. That's so true. you never know. So so with that, we're putting a bow on this edition of Serie Sit Down. Thanks for hanging in there and listening to us. Time to uh, shamelessly plug things. Richard, uh, what are you up to besides Serie Sit Down? Um, you can find, well, I was also, uh, I was fortunate to be with the Calcio guys while I was on vacation up in Montreal. They're a great group of guys. Give them a follow. Uh, great podcast. It's fun to be on the radio show. Uh, so give a shout out to them. Um, I'm going to be doing a Paulo Fonseca um managerial piece i'll try to do that as soon as possible really what we're going to have is a top five countdown series sit down this week and then as we mentioned earlier we're doing a top five goals of the derby della madonina give us your input uh once we calculate all the the results we'll put out the top five before the game and see what uh everybody chose it should be interesting to see you know with all the interisti and, and milanisti what they choose as their top five so there you go Yep, for sure. Yeah, pick Interisti, uh, Milanisti, go to at City, I'll sit down on Twitter or Instagram, give us your top five, um, and uh, let's uh, let's see what everybody has to say in regard to that. Um, and again, at City, I'll sit down on Twitter or Instagram, hit us up with any comments, questions, ideas for future podcasts, uh, we'd love to hear them. Um, I'm at FTC underscore 21. Uh, and this is pretty much all I'm doing these days. I got way too much going on with uh, work and personal life yeah, to, yeah. Uh, you know, to take on anything else. And uh, Richard, you're going to be slowly walking into that yourself here soon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but City um, I Sit Down is uh, available on iTunes, on SoundCloud. We have our own channels there. Also, check us out on Stitcher, Spotify, just about anywhere you can find a podcast. Check out our YouTube channel, Serie Sit Down, as Richard alluded to, and we're looking forward to that Fonseca video. Um, and, uh, uh, again, the social media, at Serie Sit Down on Twitter, uh, on Instagram. Uh, we want to give a shout-out to any of our listeners that are part of International Calcio Forum Group on Facebook. Uh, we appreciate the love, and we hope you guys keep spreading the word about us. Uh, but until then... Uh, enjoy the uh, European games this week. Looking forward to the Derby this weekend. For Richard, I'm Frank. Uh, thanks as always, and be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.